All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. We are here recording recording episode number 90 after a nice little stint break there. I know we usually take a like, I don't know, about a four four-week break or so following the Super Bowl or, or the week following after the Super Bowl, sorry. And it's kind of recharge the batteries, but following um following the conclusion of the school year, and I'll we'll get into a little bit here, but Zach was on a nice little vacay. Uh, Arma and I were battling with some dual duties between dad duties and school duties or, you know, doing our master and stuff like that too. And it seemed like a, a decent little time to hit, take a break and recharge before firing up for the, 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 you know, busy, busy uh, fantasy football season. So uh, before we get into our, our episode here, episode 90, we're going to be talking about uh, breakout players heading into the 2023 campaign. Uh, let's do a little catch up. I know I hinted at it already, but uh, Zach, nice little vacation. I, Got some, I just finished saying some really, really warm weather, but uh, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, your little bit of break you've had so far. Yeah, like you said, uh, my wife and I, we went to uh, went to Italy for just over two weeks there and uh, kind of did like all the, the touristy stuff that you would expect uh, people to do while they're in Italy. And I uh, did some other really neat stuff and uh, got to experience like some of the hottest weather that I've ever been, uh, ever been in, I guess, a uh, couple days over 40. So, uh, yeah, real sweaty, but it was well worth it. Over under on how much gelato you had there, Zach. Oof. If you said <laughs> two a day, you'd be pretty accurate. <laughs> out of boy, out of boy. For those of you doing the mental math at home, we'll just move along. Armin, how about you? A little break. I know we finished up some school and you had some masters. You had a big paper that was due. I think it was the last day of our classes, actually. You had a massive paper and you said you're enjoying some dad life. But how's the little break been treating you? You know, uh, it's been not too bad. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been up to too much, though, as well, because not only doing the the dad duties, but uh, I had a rugby game the first week of our break here and uh, ended up bruising my ribs. So I've been uh, limping around a little bit uh, around the house, trying to grit my teeth and not uh, not let the wife know how injured I actually was. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad, I swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, it was good. It was, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I played my first game back, uh, last week and played, played the scrum half for, and if you guys who don't know rugby at all, it's pretty much, you just grab the ball and pass it out. So I wasn't running into contact at all. And when I had to make tackles, I was just, uh, kind of holding guys up rather than going to the ground. Cause it hurt every time I went to the ground on a guy, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it was worth it. It was a lot of fun and uh, glad to be back and glad to be back doing the pod and uh, excited for, for the fantasy season coming up. We're in training camp now and we got our first exhibition game this week. It's exciting, man. Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled. I, well, anyway, with that break, I completed my master's degree. So I am like completely done school now. So like if I was not all in on fantasy football season before, oh boy, look out because those Sundays are going to be uninterrupted. I, I took a picture. I put it up on my uh, Facebook there. I put Wells in a Detroit Lions onesie or a little, uh, you know, like one of those diaper shirts. Oh, man. <laughs> I just picture it like in three weeks time, we'll just be sitting on the couch watching football and it's going to be deadly. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, got a big golf tournament coming up this weekend. So finally getting back on the 
on the golf course, which is going to be nice. Been few and far between, obviously, with, with dad duties and with um, with masters. Something like that's been difficult, and but try and get out there as much as I can. But um, renovations are going to be takeover. Got uh, got to put up a new fence. I got to do my shingles, um, and then I'm also still doing some like minor stuff too. So for the most part, that'll be the the end. We'll be back to work, which I'm trying not to think about too much. But regardless, sure. let's, let's get into things a little bit here. Um, so a couple things. We are currently, and, and maybe I'll be able to put up some stuff on some social medias here in the next little bit. Uh, we're currently doing our EC5 um, draft. It's a charity draft that uh, Zach kind of got us involved with last season. Uh, and it's based out of uh, based out of Europe. And it's kind of, you know, a little similar to like the Scott Fish or, or something we do, where the money that is raised goes towards charity. So we're in the process of doing that draft right now. Um I'm not going to hint too much at our quick question of the day, but things are going a little slower than uh, than we'd like, and, and actually worked out somehow perfectly. What would you say, Zach? There's about what? How many how many inch entrants are there this year? Do you know off the top of your head or even ballpark? I think he said 300 was the goal. So even say for the say for round number, say there's 300 people. Somehow Arm and I end up in the same division of 12 people. So some <laughs> some some way somehow Arm and I out of 300 people all across Europe and. And a little bit of, uh, I guess, not too much out of North America, but somehow me and Armand are are, are head to head in the draft right now. But uh, which leads me into my talking just, point. That, just another uh, league that we have to go against each other. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's not like we're not like we're in enough of them. Hey, Armin. <laughs> Transitions me perfectly into uh, just to keep keep in mind that our charity league information is going to be coming out shortly. Um, same as always, we're looking to tweak things up and looking to make things a little bit different each year to make it fresh, make it fun. So if you at home are listening, if you have any recommendations or anything that, you know, think, hey, in my league, I did this. It was a lot of fun. Maybe you should consider doing that. Fire away at us and I'll put something on our uh, our Instagram story there, too, that you can uh, comment and share things that you like. Because within a couple of weeks here, we'll be sharing that information uh, as well as starting up our, our draft for our charity league, too, which which will be uh, very, very exciting. So without further ado, we will get into our 22 fresh quick question of the week. Um, and this one just because we have lots of content to get into. We're going to keep this one a little bit short and sweet, but the question is, what is your least favorite fantasy football rule or setting? Uh, and I know we hinted at this one a little bit, but Zach, let's uh, let's start with you. <laughs> um, typically, I would describe myself as a pretty patient person, but when it comes to fantasy football drafts, especially, um, I, I guess I'm not too, too patient. So, the setting that really uh, grinds my gears would be slow drafts. Um, and I know for a draft like the EFFC that we just mentioned, um, with people all over the world, you kind of need to have a slow draft with obviously people living different lifestyles and time zones. But um, yesterday, the draft started, I don't know, I think 6 a.m. our time. And I've only had two picks and that's not a bad thing. I've had worse days with Scott Fish and EFFC in the past, but uh, you'd like to see it a little bit quicker. Um, and then I guess kind of tailing onto that, uh, whenever possible, you you would obviously want to have a an in person draft, especially with your uh, like your buddy drafts or your kind of like your your city drafts, I guess. Yeah, there's nothing nothing beats the in person draft. Nothing beats it. No. Yeah, like um, I know when we get together with our work draft, we always be a part of, and you're razzing each other. It's a it's a lot of fun. The one thing, like we're in the process of possibly within the next year, two years, three years, maybe even four years, who knows how long our dynasty is going to reset. And like I was just thinking, how much fun could that be? Because 
if you can get somebody on tilt in a dynasty draft, that's years and years of pain because you caused on <laughs> person draft. Like, could you could you imagine panic picking somebody like, for example, like I don't know, like you panic picked Cam Akers in the second round because guys are razzing you because you took a terrible running back pick and you know what? Oh, like I don't even know. Like, I think that'd be so much fun for years and years to come. You can just say like, yeah, that guy's on your roster because we are razzing you the whole evening. I think that would be just absolutely <laughs> delightful, but. Um, Armin, for, uh, for uh, dynasty uh, in-person draft, how long would you put the timer though? I think you got to go like three minutes. No, well, I guess it depends. Like, in in my head, tell me if I'm wrong with this. I think you'll five minutes per pick, but you start during like kind of early afternoon morning, so it'll be a long time. But then you would have those sidebars where it's like, hey, Armin, let's go to the side here. I'm going to trade this third third round pick. I'll give you uh, a fifth round and a seventh for a 2026 first as well you know what i mean like you could have those sidebars yeah you need like five minutes per pick but could you imagine I... ripping in and out of the garage like let's have a <laughs> sidebar in, in your guest bathroom quick i gotta i gotta offer yeah. this <laughs> yeah I, I like that actually i like that especially because it's dynasty so you're only doing it when the league resets right so it'd be yeah. it'd be an event that happens rarely and uh and then you can make a big deal out of it i i like that actually a lot swoop in too like zach could hear us making an offer and zach could just swindle in like he normally does and somehow offer a slightly better deal and undercut me which is pretty standard but just break well, lexi's uh nail room door as i kick it in yeah damn yeah. it i know i can beat that offer i know it. <laughs> Just let well, me some some of the trades I've seen you make, Jordan, I'm like, man, I could have beat that. What the oh, hell? Yeah, just surprised Zach didn't swindle in earlier. That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, Arden, what's your uh, what's your rule or your setting that uh, you wish to change? So uh, I couldn't think of a specific rule, so I kind of more went with just something that bugs me in fantasy that I wish it could be a rule for. Is uh, I hate when a guy gets injured in the first quarter of a game and you can't do anything about it um like it ruins your fantasy week or you get a loss and like we we talk about trying to emulate it kind of like real football sometimes with like trying to make the quarterback position more valuable but not too turbocharged and everything like that right well on a real football game as a real coach a real manager guy gets injured you put the next guy in so I wish there was some sort of setting where you could like those bench players that you have that aren't in your starting lineup like if you don't want to do best ball you could pick like one or two of those guys to be be the sub, you know, like a sub spot where yeah. if a guy gets injured in the first quarter or first half of a game, the the guy that's setting your sub spot on your lineup gets uh gets slotted into the position like and gets you the points. You could get carried away, but I mean even like one or two it could be feasible where like if one guy gets hurt, whoever's in your one spot and then your two spot, or just like setting your lineups like a flex spot. You put that guy in there. That if there's a guy that gets injured, say within the first ten snaps, or some arbitrary number, that yeah. you did the you just automatically just fill it in, just like a like almost like an insurance policy. Yeah, could even make it like a depth chart. Rank your bench at the beginning of each week, one to four, however big your depth. depth so it gets super cheaper. It's like just grab your next best player off your bench, and it's like could be like Jamichael Hasty who put up 20 points and it's like you would never start Jamichael Hasty, but somehow you get this like cheap rule but I, I could see something like that where I mean it takes a little bit of the randomness out of fantasy football but it does make it a little more like uh, I guess almost fair in a sense he said more more realistic to the game of football yeah the one the one I put down here um, and I'm fortunate enough I think actually all of us 
are fortunate enough that we're in the league. The only one I say would be close to it is maybe in, in Armin's league, uh, where there's no such thing as a trade veto uh, vote or, uh, uh, you know, on ESPN, how they have the veto button. If trade goes through, you can press deny, 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 and enough guys vote on it that they can deny a trade. And especially in Dynasty, redraft, I still don't like it, but I can see the path of to why people might want. So the guy just that's in last place completely bails on his team for first place and, you know, not necessarily collusion, but it's, it's real, real cheap. But uh, if two teams are equally, you know, making a trade, one person sees the path of how they make their roster better. And the other sees the path of how they make their roster better and they agree upon a trade. It shouldn't matter what the other people in the league decide, you know, like Armin even just said, Oh, I saw that trade that went through. I think I could have beat that. That honestly, that's probably my thought process on every single trade that ever goes through. It's like, Oh man, <laughs> I probably could have beat that. Why didn't I, you know, if I would have known I could have made an offer. And if a guy's pissed off enough, or if it's a competitor, he can say, yeah, I want to veto it because either it makes my competitor better or I could, you know, swoop in and, and make a better offer or whatever. The only time I ever think of uh, trade should be vetoed is if there is clear, clear collusion that was done. And that's up to a commissioner to, to make that decision that there should have nothing to do with anybody else within the league to, to make that, make that ruling. But maybe Armin, you want to share like how you do yours. Cause that'd be the closest league I'm in where there is some sort of like veto situation. Yeah. So I have it set so that the commission can veto it or has to put the trade through once a guy makes the trade and pretty much when a trade comes through i announce it to the to the league say if you have any like big issues with this trade at all um you have to put it into the chat within the next i usually give 24 hours notice um but it also depends on when the trade went through because if it's like saturday evening and the guy wants to play that guy on sunday then i'll make the time clock a little bit shorter but um, yeah, give the guys time to speak up if they, they think they, there's something fishy going on. And then I just put it through if nobody, uh, nobody says anything. So still, still on the same lines where it's that clear collusion or, you know, there's something that, you know, what's going on. So it's not just processed through. So that's the yeah, last exactly. thing I kind of like, but it's, I will say it was suspenseful when we made that trick. So I think that might've been the first trade to actually get made through in that league. And then man, it was suspenseful because it's like, hey, I got three hours until somebody like complains enough that this trade isn't better. And, like, that trade clearly made my team substantially better that year, but I completely yeah. forfeited my future. And I was looking well, at that trade now. Holy man, did he clean house? Like he gets to keep Garrett Wilson as like a 16th round pick. And, like, so many aspects of that trade is like, oh boy, <laughs> I made the wrong choice. I didn't make the playoffs. So I really future <laughs> real bad. Yeah, made, made a mistake on that one, but. Yeah. I don't know. And there's yeah. a, the, I kind of segue into this portion of like, we want your recommendations because there's parts in leagues that people like and people don't like. And obviously our charity league, there's not a lot on the line. You know, we got some side memorabilia. We got some fun stuff to give away. But at the end of the day, it's for charity and it's for fun. So we want to make this league as enjoyable as possible. And we, we want people talking about like, oh, man, we had so much fun. They did this. This was unique. This was unique. This was different. Not, oh, yeah, they, you know, they vetoed all my trades and the draft took 14 hours. and and you know all these different things so we'll try and make try and make this year's league as fun as possible for those of you at home um transitioning here there's lots going on now i know in the last episode we talked about it was kind of that phase where we were waiting from otas and going into uh, actual training camp where things are going to start to happen and uh, we're at the point here where things are starting to happen i've just been handed an urgent 
and horrifying news story. I'm Ron Burgundy. So we've been away for, I think, what now, four weeks. So I'm not going to go all the way back to four weeks of news and all this, you know, running back arbitration or running back Zoom meetings and all the, you know, the major pieces or minor pieces of news that have happened over the last four weeks. Instead, what I'm going to talk about is the things that have happened just in the most recent, like last couple of days and the big things. So the first one is Tim Patrick tore his Achilles. He just came off an ACL injury last season, um, got paid big bucks, was can most likely be a formative role and a sneaky pick for a lot of people in fantasy drafts. Torn Achilles, season ender, quite likely, quite possible a career ender at this point, but only time will tell on that one. Zach Moss, broken arm, expecting to six weeks. Not that a lot of us were drafting Zach Moss anyways, but it just makes the back <laughs> more clear if you're looking for that RB2 in that backfield. Uh, this one happened, I think, a week and a half ago now, but we got a little clarity. Joe Burrow, uh, has a grade two calf strain expected to miss several weeks is how they're classifying it. Um, if we see him before week one, I'd be incredibly surprised. I still don't even know if we will see him in week one. Uh, so that's something that we're going to continue to monitor. And, and obviously I'm starting to get back on the old social media train a little bit more and a little better now that I have less distractions. But this last two, these ones are super interesting because we are waiting to see how this would shake out through training camp. Would it be a committee or sorry, committee would Kenneth Walker continued carrying the load and then Charbonnet is going to get sprinkled in and maybe, you know, third down situations. Are they going to be a 50, 50 split? We don't know. Now nobody has a clue and nobody's going to know until we enter the season because Kenneth Walker is nursing a groin injury. And if there's anything we know through experiences of fantasy football, the groin injuries, those linger for players throughout the entire season. When you tweak your groin and training camp, there's very few situations where that player is not nursing that throughout the entire duration of the year. Now, so let's say, okay, well, that means perfect opportunity for Zach Charbonnet. He's going to take over and he might get more work. We got some clarity. No, he has a a shoulder injury and is already listed as out indefinitely. So the timeline is up in the air. When you get that indefinitely um, stamp, that's never a good sign for, for somebody that's going to miss the entire training camp and most likely start the football season too. So now we're in a situation where we had two really good backs and you didn't know which one you wanted to now there's none of them. And obviously Seattle's going to have to either bring somebody in or we're going to see um, some of those you know, fringe threes and fours that were just kind of depth pieces on that roster take a little bit more of a, you know, a takeover on that in that backfield. But there's no person I'd rather ask his opinion on this one because I know it sucks because he has both of them on his dynasty <laughs> roster. But uh, what's your what's your thoughts? I don't know if you've got, got to take a look at too much of this here yet, Armin, but uh, what are your thoughts on what Seattle's going to have to do moving forward with these two backs? I haven't been able to dig too deep into it. Um, Kenneth Walker, like you said, the groin injury can linger a bit, but Kenneth Walker is still young, right? He's only 22 yet, I believe. Um, if they they let him take his time during training camp, they know what he is. They know what he can do, right? It's not like he, he needs to be in full time at training camp here. And if they really let him heal and take care of himself, um the positive is is that he could be ready week one um and available and back to full health um the problem is with those injuries right is if if a guy tries to come back too early um before he's fully healthy and then it lingers and lingers and lingers so i i think at least it's beginning the training camp first week um they can let him heal up for for four weeks here and and hopefully come come september he he's good to go 
Um, Charbonnet, I haven't looked at what exactly that shoulder injury is, um, but uh, I would think that uh, a shoulder injury is is pretty hard, especially when you have to take those tackles on the shoulder when you're making that contact, initiating it with your shoulder, especially the way Charbonnet runs, right? He's kind of a bruiser. Um, so that's a, a little bit more serious, but um, I, I think I'm still high on Kenneth Walker going into this season. Um, a little bit of hesitation with the injury, but uh, I'm not knocking him way down the board just yet. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting because uh, behind those two are DJ Dallas, Kenny McIntosh, Sad Sir Roderick Thompson Jr., Bryant Kobach, and Wayne Tulapapa. The the fortunate thing, at least. <laughs> not familiar with a lot of those names. DJ Dallas and Lyft, and I'm not super yeah. that. So it might mean a lot more heavy passing offense, at least in the first couple of weeks until, like you mentioned, Kenneth Walker gets healthy or they sign one of those veteran, I can't get a job type running backs. I don't know if they'd be going after, you know, like uh, Leonard Fournette or Kareem uh, Hunt. I think that's too high of that end. But there might be guys like, I know Melvin Gore, I think he just signed with he yeah, he's Baltimore. But that type yeah. of, you know, somebody that can fill the role for like kind of how uh, New Orleans picked up Mark Ingram last year. You know, like those yeah. types of backs that could kind of fill the role for a couple weeks until that injury is healed, but still doesn't put a lot of confidence in that running game where might be pass heavy, especially with the addition of Jack Smith and Jigba. Um, Maybe maybe he gets introduced to the offense a little a little more frequently than we thought straight off the start of the season. So, <laughs> um, oh, the fortunate thing, at least, is DJ Dallas has shown competency in the passing game. He's shown to be a decent pass block and pass catcher. So at least he's you're able to put him on the field in those passing downs and and know you got a confident back. But nothing spectacular that's going to uh, break open the game. Yeah, exactly. Anything to add there, Zach, before we continue on to our segment of the week? No, not uh, not too much. Uh, don't know a dang thing about any of those guys that you mentioned, aside from uh, DJ Dallas, so uh, not too much to add there. Yeah, it's, it's bad when I'm stuttering over names, trying to figure out how to pronounce them. I, I, they're not real familiar guys unless you're doing a real deep dynasty league by any stretch of imagination. But um, we'll get into our our segments of the episode here. And this one's a fun one because we are, we've, we've surpassed OTAs and we're now about a week into training camp uh, for most teams, at least. And we get a feel of guys we are excited for going into the season. We got to look at those guys in training camp or guys that we weren't sure about and see them in training camp. And then they start to progress. So guys that we're, you know, pretty excited about going into the upcoming fantasy season for a breakout season. Some of these guys, you know, we've seen glimpses of it. They they shown flashes, but we're t- we're expecting them to take that massive big step forward into either the spotlight or into some sort of significant relevance. So we'll start with Armand. Uh, looks like for the most of us, we went one guy from each different position. So um, that's pretty good here. So we'll start with Armand uh, with your player number one. All right, my player number one is uh, Justin Fields, and I know he broke out a little bit last year, but that was with his legs. Um, I'm predicting that, uh, he's going to break out with his, his arm a little bit too here. Um, now you look at similar guys in the past, they've all progressed with their arms, been able to figure it out a little bit better. And I don't think Fields is going to be an exception to that, that rule. Um, when you look at like Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson has progressed in his passing throughout his career. I think Fields, he has that base running ability. 
Um, and you look at last season, Chicago Bears, Darnell Mooney, as good of a receiver he is. He is not an alpha. They have an alpha now. Uh, their third receiver is uh, Chase Claypool, which I know a lot of people are low on him. But, man, he was dealing with an injury last year, plus getting traded and trying to learn a new playbook and get uh, get his uh, connection with Justin Fields figured out. Um, I think he'll he'll be a very viable third option for Justin Fields this year um, to have that uh, um, guy who's a home run threat as your third wide receiver is actually pretty big. Um, so you look at you look at the weapons he has now and then his another year um, figuring it out, learning how to play in the NFL. I think Fields is, is going to wake up a little bit with his arm and he has the arm talent. He just he has to figure out um when to hit the guys that are open and get a little bit better at that stuff which is something I think he he can learn right and so I'm I feel like Fields is going to be be a breakout player with his arm yeah when you saw this I was like oh man he kind of already like low-key broke out but like at the same time it was just like you said with the legs so I was, I was glad that's kind of the the um, the route you ended up going with that because he's a guy that's getting drafted like pretty high so there's there's that expectation of of that said breakout so it's just a matter of is he going to step up to the plate Lamar Jackson style and saying you know I can I can run and watch me watch me I'll, I can start passing even though you don't think I can or is he gonna RG3 it and not destroy his knee but just not take that next step forward you know we've already seen him with the legs and and the arm needed to follow so yeah um, and and the thing is as well as like I know he's getting drafted high but there's a lot of fantasy analysts out there who are not liking how high he's going and think he's going too high where I'm more on the train of, I think he's in the right spot right now. My, I'm going to follow you because you had a quarterback. I got a quarterback, so I'll do the same thing. And, and I'm in a similar boat as Armin where my guy, you could argue had the breakout at the end of the season. His start of the half, first half of the season was garbage. Second half of the year was pretty <laughs> good, if not great. And then, his performance in the playoff game is the exact same His first half with hot garbage, like arguably the worst half of football you could possibly have in a playoff game. And then his second half was an electric come from behind win, one of the biggest in NFL history. So mine is Trevor Lawrence. Um, the guy, his first season was a complete write off, a complete train wreck. The Jacksonville offense, the organization was just abysmal. And then they started kind of getting the ball moving a little bit last year. So last year, in a sense, was kind of almost like his rookie campaign with a competent OC, a competent um, organization. We saw the ball moving. Now, Trevor Lawrence is in that spot where he's getting kind of drafted around, I don't know, like uh, maybe 7 through 10 range of quarterbacks. 10 might be a little bit low. But I'm expecting Trevor Lawrence to finish as the top five quarterback. I'm looking at his projections, and this is projections are based off of MFL. They're projecting him to have about the same season he had in 2022. Uh, last season, he had 4,100, uh, sorry, 4,113 passing yards. They're expecting him to complete another 13 passing yards, 13 more. That's the, the jump they're expecting him to make, which is not a jump at all. It's like one additional completed pass. They're expecting him to have less passing touchdowns, and they're, and they're expecting him to have more lost fumbles and they're expecting him to have less rushing touchdowns so when you look at the grand scheme of things he is his yardage is going to go up slightly but they're expecting very similar to campaign that he had in 2022 which like i said was a tale of two very different stories 
um, the addition of new weapons, as well as retaining the weapons that he's already built that connection with, this offense is just going to take a step moving forward. Um, which means, obviously, if the whole offense is moving forward, so is Trevor Lawrence. And I think this is this season we're going to see him really take the reins as that clear-cut 101, one of the best prospects we've seen since Andrew Luck. And he's going to take those reins and move forward as in the running with Justin Herbert in the runnings with Patrick Mahomes in the runnings with Josh Allen as those top quarterbacks you really want to draft. I think what will help him take that up a little bit is just having a couple more of those rushing touchdowns in the, in the goal line. You can do some creative things. Um, I think Doug Peterson is going to be able to get the ball moving in the, in the red zone with some creativity. We saw how creative he could be in Philadelphia. I think that creativity is just going to continue on with this Jacksonville offense. Now, like I said, He's already being drafted as like the seven, eight, nine quarterback. I think it's going to, the sky's the limit for Trevor Lawrence upcoming season. And he's going to solidify himself as a premier talent in the NFL. Um, Zach, I think you got a quarterback here too. So I think all three of us took a cue right off the hop. So uh, let's hear what you have to say about yours. Yeah, you bet. Um, both of you guys identified quarterbacks that uh, last year finished in the top 10 um, amongst quarterbacks. Um, but the previous year in 2021, uh, both of those guys finished outside of the top 20, um, with Lawrence at 22 and Fields at 31. Um, so the guy that I have decided to talk about, Kenny Pickett, um, last year he was uh, quarterback 20 on the season, I believe. Um, and I'm looking for maybe not that same kind of jump where, uh, you know, this time next year we're talking about. Kenny Pickett is a top 10 fantasy quarterback, but I think we're certainly talking about Kenny Pickett differently next year. Um, not as the, as the butt of, of most jokes um, as he is right now. Um, Kenny Pickett was certainly not a world beater at the start of his season last uh, start of his rookie season last year, where um, he'd have multiple two, three, four turnover games, um, you know, a couple couple games with three interceptions, a couple games with uh, several fumbles. So um, I think that that bad start last year kind of just carried on throughout the year in the minds of a lot of fans and uh, fantasy players. Um, but if you look at the numbers last year, he really finished the year uh, strong. And he finished it off on a good note, um, certainly compared to the start of his year where by the end of the year, uh, four of the last five games were were top twenty finishes uh, amongst fantasy quarterbacks, um, and I think that's going to be about where we're looking at um, this year, where he's going to be comfortably in that top, I think, fifteen range as a fantasy quarterback. So maybe not a, a person that you want to start every week, but somebody that you could confidently start based on either injury or, or a bye week fill in and somebody that I think is going to have a lot of value in a, a super flex format. Um, so Pickett has two things going for him that I think a lot of these young uh, quarterbacks have going for them as well. Uh, Pickett can contribute on the ground. Uh, last year, he did have three games with 30 or more rushing yards um, one game where he had over 50 rushing yards. So while that's not, you know, that's not Hertz, that's not Jackson, uh, that's not field level of production, that is an extra three, four, five points on the ground. And if you can punch one in, 
to the end zone, that's that's a lot more uh, fantasy points for you as well. And uh, looking at guys, like you said, like Lawrence and Fields, they have surrounded themselves or they've been surrounded uh, with fantasy producing receivers. And I think that's something else that Pickett has. He has Johnson, uh, who had that injury scare uh, last week. But um, from everything that I've seen, it seems like that's was more of just a scare than something that we have to worry about. Um, he does have George Pickens, who could understandably be on this list of, of breakout players. Um, Allen Robinson, you know, that's kind of up to you to decide what you think about Allen Robinson. Um, has a good tight end in Pat Fryermuth and then Najee Harris on the ground as well. So he does have weapons that he can get the ball to. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Pickett, if not this year, maybe the following year, follows a path similar to Daniel Jones where people aren't sold on him, but after year three, year four, he's he's getting like a top 10 finish easily based on uh, – producing through the air, but as well as on the ground. So uh, Kenny Pickett, maybe not so much an every week starter in one quarterback leagues, but somebody that I definitely have my eye on in uh, two quarterback settings. The funny thing is, as you're talking, I was thinking this is Daniel Jones. Like this is the guy he's getting, that's his path is Daniel Jones. And then you're like, well, you know what the comparison is? Daniel Jones. I was like, hey, we're on the same <laughs> like, But get punching it in, like I think back to his very first start and was that in week six hold on i got i had it in front of me and i just lost it um uh sorry week four he went in partway through the game threw three interceptions lost a fumble but scored the only two touchdowns when it was on the ground i think the one was a bit of a breakoff run and then another one was a qb sneak on like the two yard line or something like that so he definitely has that capability and you still have like you said strong strong weapons in the offense guys that can catch the ball and you got Najee Harris who's still a very very competent capable back so it's a good offense and it's just a matter of him taking that leap forward which I think like you said that that career path of Daniel Jones I think is one that I think very well could be mirrored for for um uh for Kenny Pickett all right going into our second one here uh Armand who do you have as your second breakout candidate of the 23 campaign all right so I guess he doesn't necessarily fall as breakout, but more of a sleeper pick here. Um, because that's what I was going with. And it's my guy, the, my favorite player to talk about on the podcast, Rashad Penny. <laughs> he's in he's in Philly now, which is a team that, that does like to run the ball. And his competition in the backfield is DeAndre Swift. And I know Swift is a is a good back, but I you just got to look at Penny's work over his career when he is healthy, and that's the big thing is when he is healthy. And I know that's why he's so far down on draft boards. But man, is he efficient and explosive, and a good running back when he plays. And I just don't see Swift beating him out for those early down touches. Um, and so I think Rashad Penny is going to have a great season in Philadelphia if he stays healthy and is well worth drafting at his current ADP. And yeah, that's uh, my two cents on it. Okay, well, here's my question. No, small rebuttal. Are you concerned about Kenneth Gainwell at all? Because I think he's being incredibly undervalued. I like 
Kenneth Gainwell in an NFL perspective, but I think like just Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift are a tier above him. Um, not to knock Gainwell, like I think Gainwell is a good running back, but um, he just doesn't have that explosiveness in the run game that Penny has. Um, where he does excel is more in where Swift does with the passing game. So I think if anything, Gainwell will, will um, eat into Swift's workload and not necessarily Penny's. It's funny because I think Penny got first touches in training camp, but they have him listed as number three in the depth chart. Like it has, like in our, I, I use our lads for depth chart. It's the most up to date. I find him more like, I don't know, arbitrary, not art, like it's like kind of like an outside lens, not, um, and it's up to date a little more than ESPN. Uh, but they have DeAndre Swift as one, Kenneth Gainwell as two, and Rashad Penny as three. So that's kind of interesting to see. I think you could basically put right now any of those three in the starting role, and people would argue against or for that individual. That's just, <laughs> that's just how up in the air it is. But um, yeah, ones where if you if you make that pick, and I think all those guys are kind of going around. I don't know, like the sixth round ish or later. I think best if you're in Superflex or not. But um, those are those are ones where it's lightning in a bottle if you hit the right one but it's it could be a really bad pick if, if you make the wrong one too but yeah it's uh it's a conundrum that we face every year with at least one or two teams where it's this team whoever gets the touches in the backfield is going to be great in fantasy but we don't know who it's going to be and sometimes it just ends up being a three-headed monster and you don't want any part of it but if you end up getting the guy that's going to be the monster in that backfield, you're loving it. So I'm going to transition here into um, my second guy. And this one, if you would have asked me about, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago, I would have been just hot and bothered, still so in love with this guy. And there's a little bit of cold water been splashed on him with the uh, pickup of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but my breakout candidate for number two is Chigazium Okonkwo. I'll, Chig is what he kind of goes by Chig Agonquo. Um, he is going into his second year as a tight end for the Tennessee Titans. And for a lot of people, this might be a deep cut. This might be one where you are unfamiliar with this name, unless maybe you play Dynasty or watched a lot of Tennessee games last season. And he got put into the spotlight based off of pure necessity last season because there was nobody healthy in the entire offense. Uh, last season, he put up 32 receptions, 450 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, and then he was used a, a couple times in the rush game, um, just three times. So nothing incredible to take home. But 46 targets for your rookie campaign as a tight end is pretty good. And the reason I really, really liked Chig going into this upcoming season is because there was not a lot to be had around there. There was Chig, there was um, there was Trey, uh, Trey Burke, sorry. And then that was pretty much end of list. So he was going to be used based off pure necessity. And right now I'm even looking at, so just, this is a dynasty ranking I'm looking at right now. He's only owning 70% of dynasty leagues, which I think is a damn shame because after week one, that ownership is going to skyrocket. Um, I think he is going to continue on the success he had. I was just looking at the depth chart of that football team, and it is not a lot to write home. They have DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, who still in his own is unproven due to injuries. And then there's Chigagonquo. Um, Derek Henry, obviously that's the, the, the focal point of that offense, but they use so much play action where it just creates these opportunities for other players to be open. Uh, and I, I do like Chig. Now, am I saying like I did before where Trevor Lawrence is going to make that jump into like a, a top five 
option? No, Jacob Conquo is not going to be a top five option next year. But this is a guy that late in drafts, almost undrafted in your redraft leagues, that you can put on your roster and you could be confident with riding him throughout the season um, just because of how, how well and how successful he was in his rookie campaign. So uh, I think he's going to have a breakout season. I know a lot of uh, fantasy rankings have him around ranked 17 to 20, which is not the greatest. Obviously, if you have the tight end tw 20 on the season, that's not going to win you fantasy championships. I think he's going to finish somewhere around the tight end, I would say 11 through 14, which still isn't a league breaker, but definitely is going to help you win your championships when you can get him as almost a free square at the end of uh, end of your drafts. Zach, your breakout player, player number two. This might be one that, shoot, even in a few weeks, you might be thinking, what the heck was this guy talking about? Don't worry, Zach. Um, I was right there with you, buddy. <laughs> uh, so Jalen Warren, uh, backup running back to the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, currently being drafted as running back 50. Um, so this is, again, kind of like you mentioned, a bit of a deep cut, but um, this is somebody that I think might have certainly is going to have uh, handcuff value uh, this season. If you are the 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 manager that has uh, Najee Harris, um, but could have some standalone value as well. And this is all just based on some maybe like advanced metrics more than anything else. Um, so. Jalen Warren was a undrafted free agent last year. Um, and I think that that in itself may have a little bit to do uh, with the usage that he got last year. Uh, as the season went on, his usage did increase. Um, but of course, it's it's easy to, to see why he didn't get a lot of touches early on. Undrafted guy, uh, rookie, and he was playing behind uh, Najee, who was their first round pick uh, two seasons ago. Um, but last year in his rookie campaign, uh, Jalen Warren uh, ranked fifth in the league in missed tackles per touch, 12th in the league uh, yards per carry, and 16th in the league in break breakaway run rate, uh, which is based on runs of 15 yards or more. So when he's had his opportunities, he's done very well with them. Um, Armin talks a lot about, uh, running backs being efficient. And to me, Jalen Warren seems like he's a very efficient, uh, player while on the field. Um, if you do yourself, uh, a little bit of research on Twitter, um, and you type in Jalen Warren, the, the people in Pittsburgh have been really hyping him up a lot. Um, it seems like the offense in Pittsburgh is looking at ways to get him on the field, both as a slot receiver, slot weapon, but also in two back sets with Harris on the field. So um, for as much hate, I guess you could say, that Najee gets for being uh, inefficient, uh, but just being like a stat hog, um, but an inefficient stat hog, um, Jalen Warren to me, at least, he, he he seems like he's kind of like the 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 antithesis or the opposite of that, where uh, he might not fill the stat sheet weekly, but he's very efficient when he does. So if you do have Harris as one of your first picks in the draft, uh, maybe getting Warren towards the end would be a really good idea. 
And uh, you certainly can do a lot worse, I think, at the end of your drafts. This is an incredibly sneaky pick, Zach. Like this one, when you put in the docket, I was like, I like this one a lot, especially if you are somebody that is a zero RB drafter. This, you cannot leave the draft without this player as a zero RB drafter because I think, honestly, he's going to have standalone value. Like Zach mentioned, if you took Harris, this is a, this is a good guy to pick up at the end of your drafts as an insurance policy. I think he's going to have standalone value as well. So if you're if you're a zero RB drafter, this guy is a guy that you can get, like Zach said, as the RB 50 that you can throw on your on your roster. And I think you could plug and play him throughout the season. Um, going into our final players, uh, Armin, do you want to share your third and final breakout player? All right. So my third and final breakout player, kind of like Zach's where the local media is buzzing around him and it's starting to catch on in the NFL. And I'm going to leave a little mini hot take here because I want to be ahead on this guy because I was a little bit ahead. You guys can attest he's on my taxi squad for, for Dynasty. I held him since last year. Um, and that is Justin Ross, wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he was coming into training camp as a guy that is on the bubble for even making the roster for the Kansas City Chiefs. But if you're looking at the hype right now, he is starting to become Patrick Mahomes' favorite target um, during training camp. Um, and then you add in the fact that Kadarius Tony has gone down with injury and Justin Ross's pedigree um, in college before um, his draft stock fell from a spinal fusion that he had to take care of. Um, that just got teams scared of, of wanting to, to take a risk on him. Um, he's, a, he's a great player, and he's attached to Patrick Mahomes. I think that pedigree um, and his early breakout age from college, um, I think he, he is primed to, to break out this year. And my, my uh, extra bonus hot take today is he's not going to be – the passing option number one in Kansas City, that's obviously tra Travis Kelsey. But I think he's going to be wide receiver one in Kansas City this year. I think he is he is the wide receiver to draft if you're trying to draft a Kansas City wide receiver. And you get him for really cheap right now yet. Based on the news, I think you might be on the, on the right path there, especially from what Sleeper has been pumping out the last little bit there, Armin. Yeah, you want to you wanna try and get on this before other people do. Um, so check your dynasty, see if he's still available. Um, and then if you're in redrafts, try and keep the hype down on him in your league so that you can still try and get him cheap so you don't have to try and reach for him too much. But the hype is going up, up, up. So um, just continue to watch it because uh, if you saw that nasty route he did uh, the other day, it was trending on Twitter, I believe, where he uh, he totally ghosted the, the DB and had time to wipe his hands on his uh, towel behind his back before making the catch. Yeah. Um, I'm going to continue on here with my second one or my, sorry, my third one. I apologize. Uh, and my last one, almost similar to what Armin said for his second one. This is a late breakout. This is a late breakout and it's almost a fantasy sleeper in the, in the same sense, but uh, the player I'm going to talk about here, this is now going to be his one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, year in the nfl uh and was a highly drafted guy and actually my very first dynasty draft uh i took over a team and then it was the rookie draft if my 201 pick i took this guy this running back 
And uh, since then, uh, he's hit the waiver wire uh, multiple times on different teams as an insurance policy. And that's Samanje Pirine for the Denver uh, Broncos. Um, he was drafted originally from the Washington Redskins at the time. Um, has bounced around with Cincinnati and now is going to be with Denver. And the part that makes this really interesting is if you would have asked the same thing again, 10, uh, like 10 days, 11 days ago, whatever it was when the pup was released, Javante Williams was a guaranteed line on the pup. His knee was destroyed. It's going to take forever to come back. And he has not been placed on the pup yet, which is surprising to me. Um, Javante Williams, for those of you that don't remember, had a catastrophic knee injury, like, like J.K. Dobbins style, who's still struggling with the knee injury several years later, catastrophic knee injury. So I expected for sure for him to miss time, at least for a few weeks, come back, not be 100% healthy, maybe healthy the following season, which would leave the doors wide open for Samanje Pirine in this Denver offense. Now, flashback, I don't know how many years the listeners have been playing fantasy football for, but when Sean Payton was with the New, uh, with the New Orleans Saints, you wanted his running backs. Didn't matter if it was a committee, didn't matter if it was a workhorse, whoever it was, you wanted the running backs because it was one of the, I think it was top three fantasy points per running back room for several years running. One, one, three, one, two, something along those lines. So in a Sean Payton-led offense, you want the running backs, which if Javante Williams is not healthy, Samanje Pirine is the one. Even if Javante is kind of healthy, he's not going to be the workhorse back because you're not going to give the reins to a guy that just had a catastrophic knee injury and is still kind of nursing it coming back. Now, kind of backtracking a few times here. Small J.P. Ryan was very successful as well with uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Last season, he had a few actually very relevant weeks. When you look at his production uh, in week 11, he had 28 points, which was, I think, second highest other than the the massive, ridiculous breakouts game or massive game of Joe Mixon, he had four or five touchdowns. 28.2 was the next best week of the running back room. And following that, he had 17.3, 18.5, and then 8, 2, 3, and then so on and so forth. So I think Samanji Pirine is going to have an opportunity this upcoming season to show why he was so highly drafted in the past because it didn't happen year one, and then he kind of got put on the back burner and in his rookie campaign, which I mentioned was very disappointing, um, he had the most, um, sorry, excuse me, he had the most rushing yards of his entire career in that, and it was 603. And after that, he had the injury 32. After that, it was 16, 301, 246, 394. But what he also does get done in is in the receiving work, where last season he had 394 rushing yards, but he also had 287 receiving yards and four touchdowns with 51 targets, which is very, very good. So kind of a combination of everything right now with the Devontae injury question mark pop. We don't know that yet, but it seems very surprising that he hasn't been with his capability in the receiving room, as well as a sneaky, uh, sneaky running back. And the Sean Payton offense, I think, screams value for Samanje Pirine and to finally have the opportunity to have a, a breakout. Even right now on, on uh, some of the projections, they're projecting him to have 533 rushing yards and 296 passing yards. And that's with a healthy Javante Williams. If Javante misses time, those numbers are going to skyrocket. And he's, I, I think he's going to have his career best season here, even though this is his seventh season in the NFL. Zach, um, you got to wrap this one up. You're a third and final player. All right. So uh, Elijah Moore currently being drafted as the wide receiver 48 
Um, you guys might remember Elijah Moore as somebody that was getting a little bit of hype around this time last year as a potential breakout player for the New York Jets. Um, unfortunately for him, uh, the New York Jets didn't seem to know how to how to use him last year, um, and that's you know evidenced by the fact that last year his points per game dropped from ten point six in twenty twenty one down to 4.4 uh last season well um, that that has a lot to do with uh you know the players around him Garrett Wilson coming in but also the the players that were at quarterback for the Jets uh mainly Zach Wilson uh there were a number of games uh primarily that I watched against the Patriots where more would be wide open and Zach Wilson wouldn't even look in uh, Moore's direction. So uh, I think the the lack or the dip in production that Moore experienced last year wasn't so much to do uh, with his talent or his ability, but so or but more so with the uh, the offensive system and the the quarterback for the Jets. Um, fast forward to this year, he was traded from the Jets to the Browns, and I think this is going to be uh, his comeback tour, if you will. Uh, already on Twitter, um, on other fantasy sites, uh, more is getting a lot of buzz, a lot of, uh, a lot of conversations around how he might be comeback player of the year, uh, for fantasy. Um, so I think we should all do, do ourselves a favor and keep our eyes open, uh, to see how he progresses through training camp and to see, um, what he's doing come draft time because this is somebody that at this time last year was getting a lot of a lot of buzz, um, redraft and dynasty. So I, I think I think Moore might be somebody that doesn't have the kind of impact that AJ Brown did when he went from uh, Tennessee to Philly, but there could be a similar contribution where he comes to the new team. And him and Amari Cooper have not the same, but like similar-ish impacts to what uh, Brown and Smith had for Philly. The funny thing is, last year I tried to trade with all this buzz. I tried to trade an early second-round pick for Elijah Moore. Got denied immediately. Like, it was shut down. Now, (laughs) I couldn't imagine, like, if you threw a third at somebody, be, oh yeah, take them. Like there's probably some, some teams that Elijah Moore may have hit in smaller leagues might've hit the waiver wire. Right. But uh, I think that would be an exciting pick. I think that's a guy that's never got an opportunity. And it's funny because he was on the same team as Denzel Mims, uh, who also never really got uh, much of an opportunity either. So um, two guys leaving the New York giants and and we'll see what or New York jets are and see what ended up happening uh, with their careers moving forward. So um Wrapping this one up, I know there's a couple names in here too that a guy could talk about. There's some some layup ones like uh, like a guy like Jamison Williams, even though he's missing a couple weeks due to suspension. Um, never haven't got to see him yet, so you're obviously going to see that hopeful explosion from him and the, the Lions' offense. Guys like Traylon Burks who were who injured their rookie campaign, and they're going to be able to take that massive step forward. And you know, there's some there's some layup names, but there's some uh, deep dives in here too that I think we, we threw out. So. Uh, some fun names as we lead into uh, fantasy draft season, obviously throughout the rest of um, the training camp. So wrapping this one up, 
Uh, it is Armin's turn to share his hot take here. I know he hinted at it a little bit, uh, but we got Armin's uh, Armin's hot take coming up here. Uh, so I'll find the drop and then we will uh, get things started. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. I'm on fire! Take us away, Armin. All right, so... My hot take kind of spurs from I was looking at the ADP and the draft rankings and stuff, and I think Cooper Cup is is too high. He's still living off the hype of that uh, amazing season that he had, and gosh darn it, it was an amazing season. He was a, di- or a fantasy uh, league winner that year, um, but I think everyone's expecting him to come back this year again, um, just like last year they were expecting it and put up the same stat line and be just as good. And um, I think he, he's going a little bit too high. Um, so it kind of inspired me to go a little bit more ice cold and, and spicy hot with this take. And instead of just saying Cooper Cup isn't going to be a top five wide receiver, I decided to look at the five wide receivers that I think are going to finish ahead of him. Um, and that's not to say I think Cooper Cup's going to be wide receiver six. I just I think he's overrated and I don't think he's going to be a top five this year. Might even be lower than that. Um, so my top five wide receivers this year that I am predicting it is going to be. And I'm going to try and put them in order here. Um, I'm first one. I'm going a little bit of a homer pick here. I don't think I mean, last year was ridiculous at the stats. I don't think he's going to quite reach that level, but I think he's going to remain the wide receiver one this season. And that is Justin Jefferson, wide receiver one this coming season. Wide receiver two this season, I'm a little worried about it with the Joe Burrow news, but I think he's still going to finish it as the wide receiver two. And that is Justin Jefferson's college teammate, Jamar Chase. Um, Wide receiver three is our offensive rookie of the year last year. He now has a QB that is uh head and shoulders above his QB from last year and that is Garrett Wilson is going to be the wide receiver three this year just you guys watch wide receiver four he's been in the top five before he has the talent and now he's with a up-and-coming um quarterback that uh, Jordan even talked about and that is Calvin Ridley I think he's going to top crack the top five this year in his first year back He's ready Locks to go. He's got to relax. Zach Houghton bothered. Relax, Zach. <laughs> and then my fifth wide receiver. This one, it was between a few guys. I had a tough choice here to make for wide receiver five this year. Um, some honorable mentions. It was like CeeDee Lamb was in, in the mix here for me. Um, and a few other guys along that line. Um, Jalen Waddle, uh, Tyree Kill, I was kind of thinking about but I ultimately landed on A.J. Brown. I think uh, Jalen Hurts is going to take another step forward in his passing, and that's just going to help uh, Brown and Devontae Smith even more. And Brown was definitely the the guy you looked for a little bit more last season and was a little bit more consistent um, putting up points throughout the year. Um, so A.J. Brown will be my fifth wide receiver. So that is my ice-cold hot take. I'm trying to predict the top five wide receivers this year. And then I even tried to put them in order. 
So that's to recap, number one, Jefferson, number two, Chase, number three, Garrett Wilson, number four, Ridley, and number five, A.J. Brown. Also, honorable mention, J.C. to St. Brown. I even considered him, but couldn't quite do it. First, the only – there's a couple of guys. Well, I mean, it makes it hot. So there's a couple of guys I think you left off. But the throwing shade at Cooper Cup is just a damn shame, Armin, because that's a direct reflection on Matthew Stafford and my most recent trade. So I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> Any two cents you want to add into that one there, Zach? I uh very surprised that Calvin Ridley made that list. Um, Armin, if, if you have those – that strong of a sentiment about uh, Calvin Ridley, we are open for business. Send me some offers here, Zach. Send me some offers. I actually have him ranked as the top 20 guy, Zach. That's what I'm going to try and buy him at. But then he's going to finish <laughs> as a, a number four. So, yeah. Any, anything's, anything's possible. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, before we wrap this up here, we are right around the corner here. Obviously, like I mentioned, we are in, obviously, uh, training camp season, which means we have preseason football coming up right away, which means we have regular NFL coming up right away. So we're right around the corner here, you guys. Podcasts are going to be coming up fast and furious. We still got a couple fun ones left to do, and then we'll get into our pre, uh, pre-draft, pre or sorry, pre-draft, like our pre-fantasy draft season where we get into some rankings, where we get into some buy-low candidates, kind of a little bit like we did today. Um, and then we get started with Charity League. And then it's the fantasy season where it's week one, week two, we're getting back into the, the nitty gritty. So uh, it's going to be a fun time of year here. We're super excited. Um, fantasy football is here. We're, we're back and we're talking We're we're excited. This is, this is a good time, good time of the year. So um, if you are interested, like I said, at the, at the top of the episode, if you're interested in the fantasy football charity league, uh, message us if you have some recommendations for some changes in the league or anything that you think would be a fun addition, let us know. Um, and then we'll start putting that poll out there for people that are interested to join. So without further ado, that wraps up episode 90. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Take care and uh, we'll talk soon.